0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. All right, so elephant seals, Angie, do you know I've seen these on the beach in California? What can they teach us?
1: For instance, the elephant seal is the only known animal capable of collapsing their lungs. And they do this during a dive.
0: Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris.
1: And I'm Angie.
0: Angie, this is going to be a fun one. I feel it. I feel it, feel <laughs> oh, it, feel yeah. it. Oh, yeah.
1: I was staying up really late last, uh, last night watching uh, videos about the Species of the Week because I was just so impressed by their physiology, their behavior, everything. This was a very impressive animal. So kudos to you for suggesting it.
0: Yes. Well, I've got to give a shout out to Rob Lang again at Underdone Comics because last week we did the Saiga. And Mm -hmm. it had this wonderful nose, this, this incredible nose for an antelope. And Rob let us post one of his comics and it's hilarious comics So go to our Facebook if you haven't seen it. And it shows a saiga and an elephant seal chatting, (laughs) which is is hilarious. (sighs) So, so we have next week, hopefully next week, big species coming and Angie conducted an amazing interview from from the field. This 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 conservation expert was in the field. We're going to leave you hanging this week on it.
1: Indonesia, somewhere in and Indonesia. Just, how about we'll give him that?
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> we, but he but he's but but he's in Africa right now. Yes. So we have to get his approval before we post it. So we were scrambled a little bit, and we were like, oh no. So. So we came up with the elephant seal just as a sit-in and I'm glad we did. It's amazing. Oh I'm
1: so glad it's we're definitely on the theme of extra large noses so that's <laughs> that's fun for everyone <laughs> and definitely for me and yeah. but yes, this is the physiology this is our first species of seal that we've covered to date mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so you'll learn a lot of facts about seals things that I didn't even know how they're separated and they're different. Uh, groups and just, just mm-hmm. amazing physiology being, uh, marine mammals oh. that live in the ocean is just in incredible. Let alone that, that seal face is just so, oh, it's so stinking adorable. cute. Yeah. I mean, I, some, I sometimes I think some of the, the lab mixes or the retriever mixes, they, the, of dogs, when you just, if you like pull their ears back or hide their ears, their faces look like a seal. So. You can smooch. Yeah, you can like smooch so- it. Pretend your dog's a seal because you wouldn't want to smooch a real seal. That would be no, not good. No, no,
0: no, 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 <laughs> no. Well, we can ask. You know, I was going to say shout out to Jim Winepress because, know, yeah, I'll ask him if he's smooched his seals. He's always training his seals out there in New York, and and he's posting on on social media. And so I, I always enjoy seeing him out there with his. So I'll have to ask him when I when I talk to him. Yeah, next. I'm
1: pretty sure the protocol is pretty tight about the smooching of seals. However, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> they blow them a kiss. I've seen no, that. Especially in
1: a, the other thing too, if they have, they have, they have stinky fish breath theme, they might, they might be cuter from a distance, oh, yeah. right?
0: <laughs> we won't, we won't go there without, uh, you and John. Maybe it's sushi or something. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just something about the ocean. I was just a couple weeks ago with a really good friend and we were just out looking at the ocean and there's just something about the ocean angie i just don't know what it is like we always love these species it's just so hypnotic
1: it's very hypnotic The ocean's
0: just hypnotic well
1: and I, i'm yeah. a water sign i'm a cancer and i grew up on lake michigan which okay for a lot of people that aren't familiar mm. think that oh it's a lake but it's really a great lake and so it has waves i mean some three four five mm-hmm. six footers and storms maybe not that high anyways uh but it's a and you can't see across it so it, it's it's like an ocean, but there's no salt and no sharks in it. So it's pretty wonderful for that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just always the same thing, Chris. I've always been mesmerized by the water. Um I came from a big family mm-hmm. of people that love being out on the water, whether it was fishing or boating. And so yeah, I and I think so it's just so mysterious. And we'll we're gonna dive into that with the elephant seal today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pardon the pun. I've been waiting for that all day. But <laughs>
0: Yes, yes.
1: There's, but what they do and where they go, we just, there's just, there's still so much we don't know about, well, ab- about oh, their migration yeah. and about h- how they do what they do. And, and, and of course we, we're going to discuss to some of the amazing physiology because that's where we come in as, uh, as the physiology experts, but it still is fascinating and mesmerizing and hypnotic and all of those words. And then you just, you put this picture of an elephant seal with it, especially the the male um, mm-hmm. out in front of the water. And it's just, it's uh it's pretty darn cool.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. And, and let me ask you a quick question because I've got some surprises for you today. Oh. Are there any seals? Were there any seals in Lake Michigan or in the Great Lakes up there? No, I, okay. it's what my gut,
1: my gut instinct yeah. says, but I'm yeah. not a seal expert. I'm just no. a beginner.
0: Yes, well, you will be today at the end of this podcast. You'll be Hopefully. somewhat of an expert. Hopefully. <laughs> so, do you know? Are there any seals in fresh water? Do you know? All right, I'll stump you I later. Would, I'll stump
1: you. <laughs> I was say. I was say. I don't. I, I. I would say no, but I feel like I'm I know you don't right
0: now. You, you air, might be. You might be. Maybe in front maybe of you tens of
1: thousands of people that listen the to listeners. us. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we do.
0: We're we've got hundreds of thousands. Yeah, we've got thousands of listeners. So. And speaking of the listeners, it's a good point to jump in. I want to thank the listeners that have been sharing lately on on social media. Please, we we take notice, and it's been amazing. The response has really deep thought this week. You know, Angie and I, we love doing this podcast. We love spreading the knowledge, and, you know, we – in the past year and a half,
1: we've speak covered for yourself, because 80... I just love, I just love, I just love learning about Talk. animals and talking. I know, I know, I know, I know. But you know, think about no, it. No, I love covered, sharing. You know, nearly,
0: nearly eighty species. You know, six. I think I think we're like wow. seventy-three species.
1: It's been that many. Yeah.
0: It's we've covered a ton, and they're, they're
1: still letting letting us on the free airwaves. That's yes, impressive. Yes,
0: we keep putting it out. <laughs> we still have people. We had downloads in Rwanda last week. It was amazing. I love looking at the map. So, you know, we've covered all these species. We've got a global look of what's going on out there. And it and it's not particularly good news. And we're going to, you know, be taking some action here in, in the future on this podcast to, to really empower you. Because really thinking about it, you know, Angie and I are just delivering information. And we've made changes in our own personal lives, how we, you know, deal with plastics and things like that. But the heroes aren't Angie and I. You're the heroes. The listeners are the heroes. You're the ones that are sharing this information. And if you can make change, positive change in your lives, join our movement, make the earth a better place for these creatures. You know, you're the hero. And so when you share those episodes, it made me really think about it this week. And I'm like, man, you guys are amazing. You're the heroes. Please keep helping us grow. This message needs to get out. The animals need our help. I mean, the environment needs our help. And so this is just one catalyst. To capture that energy. So thank you. Thank you. You're the ones changing the world. You're the conservation heroes. You know, you're the ones that Angie and I look at and just, you know, we love you. And so thank you. So please keep sharing. Please keep, keep doing and listening and, and all the things that you're doing.
1: Absolutely, Chris. Well said. And thank you so much, everyone. Yes. For joining the movement and caring about wildlife and conservation and the environment. And I just think that every, every little tidbit of knowledge and or excitement or passion that you can impart on somebody that you know or love or a friend or even a new person that you meet, mm-hmm. get them fired up and excited about animals they've never heard about. Like the saiga and other really cool creatures that probably some people have never heard of. So passing that along is is just huge, getting people excited. Now, one of my mottos has always been, you never know who's going to be the next Jane Goodall. And which it was just her mm-hmm. birthday this mm-hmm. past week. So happy birthday to her.
0: I know. I know. Maybe someday
1: uh, she'll grace that. us with her presence on this podcast. That would be, yes. yes, that would be the ultimate. Yeah, That would be Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. like a thousand times. I mean, <laughs>
0: It's between us and Corbin racing to get that interview first. You know, I know we just talked to him about it. We're racing each other. We're going to beat you, Corbin. I know you're listening. I'm just, beat you.
1: I'm just saying, I mean, she is like, wow. I mean, we all know that Leonardo is like, wow, for me. But uh,
0: yeah. we're working on that one. We're working on that one. Don't get on. Uh, so. Who gets to conduct that one, me or you?
1: Um, <laughs> yeah please chris I
0: please i got it yes i, I got it have you, you learned you nothing
1: will... this this past couple of years
0: and if we could do it live you'll just fly out here to la you know and see us so <laughs> i doubt he Leonardo. lives in la
1: he i he i feel like he's more of a perry a pedras guy don't you think Paris Paris?
0: Guy? i don't know where he lives I don't... I don't know i have to look i don't know, yeah, I, don't know. I, don't,
1: I don't i don't i clearly don't stalk him that much so
0: no no <laughs> All right. So elephant seals, Angie, do you know I've seen these on the beach in California?
1: Yay. Well, that's why I thought this is such a great species for you. And maybe you can go snap us some pictures. And I, I found some places where they have breeding colonies that I'll get to Mm -hmm. in the podcast. So all of our California fans can maybe go check them out and that obviously Eucharist. So yeah.
0: You know what I remember about it? It was in San Simeon. So that's up near like Hearst Castle, north of San Luis Obispo, when I was getting my undergrad. Do you know what I noticed about them? They're all laying on the beach. You know what I saw a lot of? Ticks crawling on the beach. Ticks! They're like, it's a feast. And they just came out of the bushes, all these ticks, these poor elephant seals. But they're gorgeous. Not the ticks. The elephant seals are. (laughs) yeah me and ticks yeah you you know me and ticks i
1: know chris and some researchers hypothesize that we're going to see more ticks in the years to come because of global climate change so and those poor elephant seals jeez
0: i know we need more possums like corbin said they eat all those
1: yes absolutely yes
0: so uh, stay tuned towards the end because i found a really good study on Great whites and elephant seals, and they they've been doing a, a longitudinal study off the Farallon Islands off San Francisco, which has a pretty healthy population of great whites and elephant seals come and rest on those islands. So they've they've been able to study the interaction between the two. So it was really interesting. I got some really interesting data towards the end that you want to you want to stick to. Now, Angie and I are talking about elephant seals, pinnipeds. It's a true seal. Now, we've covered a pinniped.
1: Should we describe them? Yes. Okay.
0: yes. That's where we're going. The big nose okay. as you make the, the hand gesture. <laughs> we covered the ones with the, here's my hand gesture. Which pinniped do we cover with this one?
1: <laughs> the walrus? That likes
0: to, yes. Yes. So, we've covered walruses, but this is a true seal. Correct. Right? Huge. Now, what's bigger, the elephant seal or the walrus?
1: Ooh. The elephant seal.
0: Yes, you're right. Yay, Woo-hoo. Dr. Angie. Dr. Angie's in the research. house tonight, folks. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I showed up <laughs> yeah, with my so... coffee and my tap water.
0: <laughs> but yeah, southern the southern. So there's two elephant seals. The southern elephant seal can reach 20 feet long or six meters. That is huge. And these are the males. Way up to, wait for it. It's almost elephant size. I mean, that's... And, I'll get to why they call them elephant seals way up to 8,800 pounds or 4,000 kilograms. Enormous. These are yeah. huge.
1: Huge. Yeah. I would, I, I have not seen them, um, and, uh, in the wild. And so mm-hmm. to prepare for this podcast, it's one thing to, to put those numbers out or read mm-hmm. those numbers, but that's where mm-hmm. I went to the, the good old YouTube and mm-hmm. Wow, Chris, their size, I, yeah. that's what I was not prepared for. That's what blew me yeah. out of the water with this podcast okay. was the size.
0: They're, they're big. They're big. And the females are about half the, half the length at three meters or 10 feet, but only weigh two, yeah. I mean, only, only two thousand, uh, two thousand pounds. <laughs> only or, a ton. Yeah. <laughs> a
1: ton.
0: <laughs> only, but compared to the
1: males, holy
0: gosh. So I was going to say that they, they have, these long noses and they're not named elephant seals because they're the largest seals. They were named elephant seals because of the nose, right? They had the males have this really long snout and it does have some purpose.
1: Well, Chris, it's, it's hard to describe. So we'll definitely put some pictures on our show notes. So make sure and check out our website or Google image it, but it's, yeah, the, the nose is large and inflated which and they have a term for it. Proboscis,
0: yeah, the pr- large Probosis. probosis yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It does. It resembles an elephant trunk, not nearly as long, no, obviously as an elephant's trunk, but very distinguishable. I mean, very mm-hmm. like you—you you can't miss it.
0: Yep. Yeah. No. It's it's huge, and it does have some <laughs> physio physiological function. So
1: yes, like
0: the Saiga last week, it 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 does have purpose. And it does look a lot of like a So it's, it's a little bit longer in the northern elephant seal. The southern elephant seal is a little bit shorter, uh, their noses. Mm-hmm. Now, they are true seals because they have no ear flaps. So, when we get to evolution, I've got some really cool stuff. You know, I'll kind of remind the listeners of, of what we covered in Walrus the differences between true seals and what's not considered a, a true seal. Now, they have this broad, flat face and they have the hugest eyes, right? They're like puppy dog eyes. Gorgeous almost. eyes. Yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. They're, and then they have what silver brown coloration. And then the,
1: yeah, generally brown. Um, yeah. males are usually a little darker brown and females right. can be a little bit more tan in color, but similar to other species we've talked about, they have that counter shading where mm-hmm. they're darker on their dorsal or top part and lighter colored ventrally or on their bottom. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Which is so interesting. Like, you know, just all the aquatic species that have that to avoid Mm -hmm. predation or even predators, you know, think of a great white shark, which we're going to talk a little bit about today, you know, uh, dark on top, white underneath to see that. Now, this was, this was interesting. And there's a reason I think there's, there's part of a reason why we see this today, but the Northern elephant seals range Generally off California, Baja, California, down mm-hmm. in Mexico. But they can range up into Alaska. So they do go up yes. the West Coast, you know, British Columbia, yes. all the way up into Alaska.
1: Yeah, I read the southern tip of Vancouver Island, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, they they do prefer islands, but they do come on the mainland, you know, like I saw them in California. They They do at times. Now, the southern's much broader wide range, huge range. Sub Antarctic yeah. to Antarctic conditions. So it's freezing cold, but they love it. They love it. So down there in New Zealand, you know, where I was at last year, South Australia, southern tip of Africa, and the southern tip of South America, down to the Antarctic is where the southern elephant seals range. Yeah. I th- I think the northerns might have been a little bit more spread out on the Pacific, but we'll, we'll get to their conservation story because they were almost wiped out. I mean, they were they almost went extinct. They were mm-hmm. on the, the cusp. And that kind of leads me into why care. Um, you know, thinking about a major, this is a predator, a carnivore. So they are out there feeding on squid, fish, crustaceans. But they also are prey for other species. So they're not the top of the food chain in the ocean, but they're up there. And in 1910, Angie, 1910, a century ago, there was only a, a less than a hundred northern elephant seals left in the world.
1: Well, the southern's were pretty much wiped out too. I'm not sure the exact almost, numbers. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: Almost, yeah, almost, yep. And what happened was at the end of the 1800s, with whale populations in decline, they went and started taking elephant seals for the blubber, right, and the oil. So they were almost hunted to extinction, just like we talked about the bison a couple of weeks ago. They were down to 600. So what that means is this population, both of them really, but really the Northerns, talk about a tremendous genetic bottleneck. Tremendous. And so again, here we have a species. Genetics are not as diverse as they should be. So a disease plus all these other pressures with the ocean. I mean, ocean health is such a concern right now. Plastic. I mean, Angie, just this week, just this week in the news. Did you read the article about the uh, sperm whale off Italy? Yeah. Yes. 50 pounds of plastic in her stomach. And she was pregnant. 50 pounds of plastic in the Mediterranean. That's so sad. It's horrific. It's horrific. So again, you're the heroes. The listeners are the heroes. We need to make changes. You can help us do this. We can impact thousands of people around the globe, not just here in the United States, but for our listeners down in Australia, New Zealand. Asia, we have listeners in Asia, Africa, and Europe. All of us in South America, we have listeners down in Brazil and uh, Colombia. Uh, Colombia, mm-hmm. Colombia, yeah. Thanks, Anna. <laughs> Did Anna go home for a couple weeks? Listen? <laughs> so we have a good friend back in Florida from Colombia. So you know, you can help. You can help, and we're going to talk about towards the end some of the things you can do each week with our our tips for conservation. Those are things that you can adopt easily and, you know, help us, please help us.
1: Yes. And you should care about elephant seals. If we didn't um, already describe them, <laughs> we probably didn't make them sound too cute with their large inflated oh, nose. Yeah. Well, and if we haven't already convinced you to love the elephant seals and protect the ocean, hopefully the rest of the podcast will do that. And we may have Mm -hmm. not made the male sound super cute with this big inflated nose, but, and someone maybe argue it's only a face a mother could love, but I disagree. It's, it's, you gotta, you gotta pull up a picture and look at one. Interestingly, the female elephant seals do not have this large inflated nose. So if you're more of a seal traditionalist, like you want your seal to look (laughs) like you're, like you just put your, hands mm-hmm. around your dog's face and pulled the ears back. It, uh yes. If you wanted to look like that, then that's gonna be your female monk seals because they do not have this exaggerated um elephant like nose, which uh we'll discuss mm-hmm. some of the reasons and hypothesis why when we get to behavior. And Chris, a couple other reasons why people should care about elephant seals. Well, first and foremost, you know, being out in California that the Northern elephant mm-hmm. seals are a huge attraction for tourists in the Año Nuevo State mm-hmm. Reserve in California and in other different places. So visitors are, visitors can watch these magnificent animals haul up onto shore during the breeding season and have these amazing, uh, breeding behaviors, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. So. That alone is really special, I, I think, and I highly vote that you should go do that and take some video for us. Uh, mm-hmm, I will. <laughs> but from a physiological point of view, researchers actually have a lot of interest in these animals, and they, they hit some records with some of, their, uh, some of their extraordinary ocean stunts, I'll call them, for lack of better terms. So for mm-hmm. instance, the elephant seal is the only known animal capable of collapsing their lungs. And they do this during a dive. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways they're able to do this is they have this like surfactant or lubricant that helps them collapse their lungs. And currently that molecule or whatever that compound is, is being researched by the Scripps Institute just down the road from you in San Diego for, Mm -hmm. uh, and for potential benefits to premature to preemies, to babies that are born with immature lungs. So, I mean, what? Like my mom, that makes my, that makes know, my oxytocin just like, you know, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> ah, yes, helps you. Know. So with preemies, I mean, preemies are living yeah. longer and healthier now than ever before, mm-hmm. but, and for those of you that aren't as familiar with, um, how things develop as far as, um, embryology goes and, and development, uh your lungs are one of the last things to mature before the baby is born before you're born and there's mm-hmm. all sorts of debate about what triggers a baby being born is it the mom triggering it is her it a hormone cascade by her or is it some researchers think that it's a hormone cascade actually from the fetus that basically says okay my lungs are mature so now let's start mm-hmm. this cascade of Crazy, uh, hormonal pathways and that basically then start the uterine contractions, which is what a, l- a woman going into labor. So mm-hmm. anyways, uh, really cool stuff. Sorry to dork out about that for a minute. No, <laughs> no, no, it's, but it's, <laughs> it's just, I, I, it, 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 it's just so cool and so connected. Yeah. And I think everybody or most everybody knows has a friend or knows of someone that was born prematurely and say, you know, was able to be saved by some of the, some of this technology. And if they, but some babies are born too young to survive. And so if, oh my goodness, if an elephant seals a compound in their lungs, a surfact in their lungs can help researchers. Like mm-hmm. that's incredible, Chris. That's just incredible to me. You
0: know, it's, it's, it makes me think of every species we're covering. There's, there's something we're learning about them almost. So it makes me think of the Tasmanian devil, I've, just because I'm I'm making some some good friends down in Tasmania, uh, Googs. Shout nice. out to Googs down there in Tasmania. But I was talking to her, and I want to try to get down there, Angie. So if I get down to Tassie, I know we have some Aussie friends are like, you know, come out and see us in Australia. So you might have to come with me. And, I, and I'm laughing with her, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go trek and look for Tassie tigers, because she said she's heard them, but she has never seen them. And, and she was here in the states for a while, and and move back down there. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to go trek and I'm going to go find some Tazzy tigers and I'm going to record the sounds. And then I thought for a minute, wait a minute, this isn't New Zealand. You can go trekking all over New Zealand and you're safe. There's nothing there that would kill you. Nothing. You know, it's a, some of the food's okay. It's good food. You know, it's decent. There's <laughs> everything in Australia will kill you. Like I don't want to be going oh. to Tasmania. <laughs> I thought about it for a second. I was like, hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. I feel like I would like to go to the Australia zoo. That's about my, 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 yes. <laughs> my comfort level. <laughs> Maybe the Great Barrier Reef, but yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or with a guide, I would definitely like yeah, yeah. a couple, a couple yeah. nice young Aussie gentlemen to Make sure that I'm, or ladies. Lee. Hey,
0: Lee, I got one for you. You know, Lee, Lee down there. Lee works works down there in Australia, and he's always posting stuff on Facebook. So shout out to Lee down there, and he'll take you. He'll take you to the daintree. You can go find the cassowaries and the salty crocs and the platypus and all the things we talked about. The whole point of I was that story saying, was <laughs> Andy.
1: I'm so lost. where are we going? I'm like, what are you talking about? I have Chris. I have two more really important points about why you should care about elephant seals. <laughs> So let's let's wrap it up, buddy. Let me wrap it
0: up. Let me wrap it up. The whole point of that wasn't to say hi to Googs. It was to say Tazzy Tigers. Oh, hold on. Yeah, Tazzy Tigers. Is it Tazzy?
1: Do those even oh exist? Oh, my God. Why am I saying Tazzy Tigers? You've been saying Tazzy Tigers? Did I say Tazzy Tigers the whole time? The whole time. The whole freaking time. <laughs> I'm not and on I'm drugs. I'm promising. And you. I'm thinking, like, aren't those extinct? Like, I'm pretty sure those are extinct. Like, I didn't know if it was a joke. I thought it was going to be a joke. Um, Uh
0: Tazzy devils, Angie, the Tasmanian devils is what I was thinking.
1: Do you want to back this up or do you want to leave this in here? Cause it's so
0: hilarious. No, 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 no. I'm just going to, I'm going to leave it. And (laughs) the Tasmanian devil (laughs) with the transmutable Uh, cancer.
1: Yes. Oh my God.
0: Has cancer researchers around the world saddened by their plight, but excited to learn about this cancer. That was the point of that story, <laughs> wow. talking about Tazzy Tigers that went extinct a long time ago. I was, so I had, anyways, and I,
1: why I care about elephants? I should have rescued you sooner. I was just, I was just going with it. I, you know, we don't have a script here, folks. We just, I was just what they call like ebbing and flowing or there's some term when, in, in, in stand up or not. did you
0: know Tassie Tigers <laughs> exist now? A,
1: oh, that's what it is. It's, it's, oh, it's in, oh, um, gosh. sketch. It's what sketch comedy? Or it's the comedy improv. It's an improv. When you're doing, when you're with a partner, you can never do like (laughs) negatives. If they say something, you like have to go with it. So that's what I was. I, I I never went to. I should have studied at Second City in Chicago, but I never did. But I I have friends that have done that, and they have. like that's what you do. Like you, like whatever wacky idea they come up with, you have to go with it. Yeah. So I was like sketching. I was like, okay, Cassie Tigers. Okay, I don't know where this he's is. gonna go look for mammoths. I like I, no,
0: next. I'm gonna go look for mammoths in Siberia. Like that I
1: would actually I believe yeah. you would do that. So, anyways, oh my gosh. All right. So, wow. I'm just high
0: on life. Okay. Wow. Go ahead. Okay.
1: So. You should also care about elephant seals because, <laughs> <laughs> um, and another really cool, you'll like this because you're a space dork. Another really cool reason mm-hmm. to care about elephant seals is because they've been used in research related to the effects of weightlessness on bone density because they spend 90% wow. of their time basically buoyant, right? In the water. So mm-hmm. NASA mm-hmm. has a lot of interest in these efforts to basically how do we in space how do you counteract weightlessness on bone density in astronauts okay Oh, cool. very cool, cool right okay, okay. that's cool and, yeah. yeah and the last really cool thing chris is we're going to get in their physiology their dive physiology and just the record break, break breaking lengths of they dive depths of the dive mm-hmm. but researchers also want to I don't know if exploit is the right word, but utilize potentially this or capture it somehow because they think that elephant seals can greatly aid human efforts to explore and map these deep oceans because sometimes instruments Mm. have a hard time extreme, uh, dealing with the pressure.
0: Oh wow. Wow. They're amazing. I mean, they're, they're amazing. They're amazing.
1: That's crazy. I,
0: it's, it's so funny just to, to pick the species and the, just the stuff we've learned about them. It's just incredible. Since I went on that tangent about Tazzy tigers versus Tazzy devils, Tazzy tigers are extinct. Tazzy devils have the cancer that they spread by biting each other. Okay. So I'm going to go through evolution as fast as I can. Ready?
1: Oh, hold on no. tight. Hold on tight. Oh, hold on no. tight. I, no, I actually didn't stuff. read anything. So take your time. Okay. I, I want no, no, no,
0: there, no, no. There's some good stuff. There's some really good stuff. All right, so the, we have two species of elephant seal. The northern elephant seal, the southern elephant seal. Scientific name, Moranga angustrostrius. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's a big one. Angustriorostus. A. Um, Moronga A. I believe you. Then the southern elephant seal is Moronga leonine. So that's easier. Leonine. Leonine. Okay. <laughs> Damn scientific names! Go back to like episode two of our podcast, trying to pronounce this stuff. Now I do know this one's easy. Pinnipeds is the is the claw. Love that.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Elephant seals are f- from the family Fosidae, which is true seals, which we've already talked about. They don't have the ears, so that's monk seals, harbor seals, ring well, seals.
1: So just to be clear, Chris, the the true seals they have ears but they're internal they don't have the outer mm. ear flap or what you would think when you see an ear or i think the technical term right. is yeah oracle i hope i just right right I just right
0: yeah no 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 it, you're right and it's one. leopard seals are part of that so mm-hmm. we have to cover leopard seals one day now we did the walrus they're the family of Otabenidae. Then the family of Odoridae is sea lions for seals, and they have the, the external ears where you can see mm-hmm. ears. And they're cute. I mean, they're all cute. Oh, so they're all cute. cute. Now, they are. Now, we talked about pinniped evolution in the walrus. Basically, a bear-like creature came and became the walrus and eared seals. And then they think an otter-like animal evolved into other seals. But now there's a bunch of debates because of molecular genetics. It's the same every time we talk about this. So they do agree that there was a common ancestor about 30 million years ago. The elephant seals or phocids evolved about 15 million years ago. Long time. Elephant seals, as we know them today, emerged about 2 million years ago. Now, here is a fun fact I learned. This is, again, why I love doing this. Can you, outside of the seals or the pinnipeds, can you name two of the closest families to them? I just gave you some hints.
1: Um, the grizzly bear.
0: Ursidae. Good. Bing, bing, boing. Thank yes. You. Good job. Thank you, thank okay. You,
1: thank you. It's because the I was looking one. at YouTube videos about their skulls, and oh, okay. Yeah, it's so crazy. Like they just showed like a black bear yeah. skull, and of course, was, you know, yeah. some canines, and then they show the grizzly bear, which we're going to cover mm-hmm. soon. And I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't give away all of our all our secrets but secrets <laughs> it's okay <laughs> top secret like yeah, some yeah, so yeah. many people care right uh yeah i know and but anyways uh and of course it's it is it's the largest land mammal skull is a grizzly mm-hmm. Bear.
0: Mm-hmm. okay for a carnivore so, i'm sorry obviously yeah. for yeah, uh, an elephant whatever yeah for a carnivore yeah.
1: Yeah. and but then they put the elephant seal next to it and its skull mm-hmm. is massive compared mm-hmm. to a grizzly and then We'll get to when we talk about nutrition and stuff, but they are carnivore. And so they still have those massive canines on top and bottom. Mm-hmm. And I mean, almost it kind of mm-hmm. looked like a, a grizzly skull. So, okay. Yeah. That's my one guess. Good. I, good, I, I,
0: good. Good. I, good. 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 No, that's good. That's true. That's the closest. Now who's, who else is close? Ooh. That we love. We love them. Hiatus? We love them. No, no. <laughs> it's that class of animals that are just naughty, 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 going back, tap, tap, tap on the shoulder and they you oh, roll ferrets. over. a Prairie dog. Well, yeah, or mustelids.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: okay. So bears and, and, and mustelids are their that's, closest relatives. Wow. Isn't that crazy?
1: That's awesome. I love that.
0: I, I got so excited when I read that. No, that, that, I like, that one, I, I
1: didn't see that one coming, but that's cool.
0: Yeah. So yeah, the family tree of the pinnipeds is just so complex, but you you do have the, the three major classes of them. And now Angie, here we go. Another fun fact. So other than the elephant seal being the largest pinniped ever, because again, some of these aquatic animals, it's hard to find bones and things like that. But so the, 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 elephant seal is the largest. I went and looked at the smallest seal. And I'm sure you have no idea who this one is.
1: I definitely don't, but I need it in my life right now. And I need a picture. Yes.
0: Well, let me tell you where you're going to go. You're going to go to Siberia.
1: Okay.
0: And you're going to go to Lake Mm Baikai. It's landlocked. So this is the only exclusive freshwater seal on earth.
1: Wow. I did not know that.
0: Yes. This is so exciting. The baccal bo- seal. The baccal seal, and it's Cute. it's one of the smallest seals in the world. Mm-hmm. It only gets about four and a half feet long, or one point seven meters, can weigh up to about one hundred fifty pounds, or seventy kilograms.
1: Perfect. So, I and, love it already. And there's a,
0: there's about eighty thousand of them in that lake. Wow! Isn't that crazy? Landlocked. They're all, like they're landlocked. So it's
1: just that lake.
0: Oh, and their faces are, oh my God, their faces. They have huge whiskers, huge eyebrows. They're like just so cute. They're so cute. Oh, so anyways, I thought that was cool.
1: I love it. That's super fun.
0: Now, here's some interesting facts because we're about to jump into physiology. Now, the southern elephant seals have a lifespan about 20 to 22 years, but the northern's only nine years. And I was like, huh. And I don't, I didn't see anything why, but I was wondering, like, is it because of that genetic bottleneck? So that was a surprising fact. And then they're, you know, not to get too much into eye physiology, because we do want to get into some of the stuff about them diving. They actually have more rods than cones in their eyes to see in low light conditions. So when they're doing those deep vibe, dives, right?
1: Yes. And the reason for that is because mm-hmm. the rods, are in charge of the black and whites, right? The shades of gray. Mm -hmm. And the cones are in charge of the colors. So you said they have more rods, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And so, Chris, a little quiz for you, a little physiology quiz. Oh, gosh. For the photoreceptors with the cones, what colors, what wavelength colors do they absorb?
0: Green and red? Yellow? Yellow?
1: um you got two out of three green red yellow green
0: purple red blue yellow blue do they see blue blue blue, oh gosh there's a blue's weird well well, that's a whole different podcast for a whole different day radio lab did that one where this tribe doesn't see blue right like oh cool like they think in history yeah that stuff's bizarre
1: okay cool okay
0: now, I know you're going to talk about the nose but, and so- but
1: Yeah, but, but it makes sense with yeah. the, the, the shades of gray, more rods would be mm-hmm. helpful, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. in the water.
0: So they're trichromatic, right? They can see three colors where some animals are dichromatic. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, elephant seals do go through an annual, they call it catastrophic molt, where.
1: Okay, Chris, wait a sec. This is where I got hung up for about <laughs> the, an hour. Then so run, to run with week. it, run with it, run with it. <laughs> So
0: it's pretty cool.
1: Well, it's yes, but I, so what Chris is talking about is, and I don't know if we've touched on it in the podcast, but a lot of animals drop either their fur mm-hmm. or their feathers throughout the year mm-hmm. and they call it molting. Mm-hmm. And basically they take the old, they get rid of the old to make room for the new. And we'll have to say, save, save more of the physiology about how and why birds do this mm-hmm. when we get to a bird species. But yeah. Elephant seals undergo an annual, so once a year, what they call catastrophic molt. Mm -hmm. That's not me being dramatic. Mm -mm. That's really what the researchers call Mm. it, where they shed the entire outer layer of their skin and their hair or their their peelage. Mm -hmm. And it basically like comes off in sheets onto the beach. So, of course, they're going to do this molting behavior when they're hauled out on, on land. They're not going to do it in the, you know, in the ocean. And it's just, they look like if you, I was, like I said, hung up and watching a lot of videos and pictures. They, they look like they're falling apart. And just the way it comes out in like clumps and sheets. And I'm used to the Bactrian camels that I worked with. They, oh, yeah. in the summertime, they, they have, they grow a very, a very hardy winter coat mm-hmm. because they can, they're in the desert, but it's obviously, um, you know, in Mongolia area. And so freezing. it's like freezing at night and then hot during the day. So they're, I mean, it just roll in the summertime. It just, or late spring, it just like rolls off. But with the elephant seals, it's even more dramatic in the fact that, during this molting process this the skin underneath is super sensitive and they stay out of the water to protect the soon to be new exterior and sometimes too they almost you'll almost see like bumps or like mm-hmm. uh like scabs over it uh it's 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 a process and it was like with the camels it wasn't like that at all and and so females and young elephant seals will start out the process from April and May. So that makes sense. Like late mm-hmm. spring, mm-hmm. uh, young moles will melt from May to June and the adults finish out this dramatic molting in July to August. But I just, well, the camels, it makes and with birds, it makes sense to me. And with camels, the camels, it makes sense because of, uh, the, the great temperature changes. Mm-hmm. I guess what I got hung up on, and maybe you can help me out with is, why the seals do this?
0: Uh, yeah, that sounds like a seal. <laughs> I, kind of, I, it's a good guess. I, I you know, I, trying I, to think I of. I guess a, in aquatic. Mix.
1: I mean, the ocean. Do, the ocean's going to warm in the summer, somewhat. I, I guess.
0: Yeah, um, I don't. It's a, a skin regeneration. I don't. don't you know, the parasites. I mean, there are parasites in the oceans, but.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a good, that's a good hypothesis. Uh, maybe for parasites, but what's really interesting, Chris, too, about this is, um, a study out of the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, PNAS, which is a a great, um, very prestigious journal. So scientists at the UC, University of California, Santa Cruz showed the elephant seals when they shed, what it does is it releases a significant amount Mm. of mercury into the surrounding waters and makes those coastal waters where they're hauled out nearby a lot higher in mercury and and this is in the um mm. Anno Nuevo State Reserve so what researchers are hypothesizing is because of industrial emissions mostly from burning coal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thank you coal very much uh uh they've also increased the amount of mercury in the marine environment two to four fold over pre-industrial levels, and of course, you know, at this rate, global emissions mm-hmm. are going to continue to increase over the next several decades stuff if we together. don't get our yeah. stuff together. Um, and and of course, and all this is just recycling back into the coastal environment, and it's a real problem. And so, so that's what I, you know, I'm wondering, like, are they trying to get because we know that animals higher up in the mm-hmm. food chain accumulate mercury because of the smaller animals that they eat and up. So, and then, and then a lot of these animals will store it because mercury is never, you know, it doesn't go away. It just like moves from one place to the other. And so, and I know they store it like in their blubber. Um, but I'm like, are they trying to get, and obviously some's in their hair if this is what's in their skin. So I'm like, maybe it's like a new way to try to get rid of those toxic levels. Uh, I don't know. Um, mm. uh, but anyways, I just thought that, uh, that was very interesting and, uh, obviously, um, kind of re- relates to what we're doing, um, to our yeah, environment here, right? Environment. <laughs>
0: yeah. It just goes back to the, it, it goes back to the beginning, you know, and we're talking about the oceans and ocean health and our listeners as heroes. So, you know, we need to, to keep working. And luckily it's been in the news, you know, this yeah, stuff. Yeah. Well, these re-
1: and these researchers, is, is that, yeah, these researchers that you see, um, uh, Santa Cruz are like my new conservation heroes of the week. I mean they're awesome. They're doing awesome work. They're fighting for these guys. They're trying to learn more about them, about their physiology, and so in order to help protect them. So
0: yeah, yep. Yeah. Now jump into nutrition real quick. You know, that these are elephant seals are migratory feeders. They they prefer mainly squid, but they will eat some fish and crustaceans. So in in the northern hemisphere, they have found males as far north as the Aleutian Islands off Alaska. The Mm -hmm. the females prefer to to forage or eat off Oregon or Washington Pacific Northwest in the US. The southerns are are ranging all over Antarctica. So that's what that's what they're down. Now they've done a lot of satellite tracking, and some of the stuff's very interesting that these seals spend very little time on the surface. That they just come up to breathe and they spend most of their time underwater. What Angie was talking earlier, Angie, this one, it, a whale did beat this record. They measured this one elephant seal that dove to a record of 2,388 meters that's in, off Antarctica. That's insane. And it, and it stayed down for 120 minutes or almost, for two hours. Even two more. Hours. insane.
1: It's crazy. Yeah.
0: That's, there was a whale that went deeper, but I mean, usually they only under, they're only under for 20 minutes and they go down to about a thousand meters, but this was the record and they blew researchers out of the water with that. They were like, oh my God. And that goes into what you were saying earlier about why care. So things like we covered in blue whales, they slow their heartbeat, divert blood flow away from their extremities to their core organs. Their red blood cells have better potential to carry oxygen. They flatten their lungs like whales. more, Yeah, they have more, yeah, they have
1: more, mm-hmm, more red blood cells as well. Yeah.
0: Just crazy physiology. i never would have expected that.
1: Well, Chris, they also have a really large blood volume in general. So therefore mm-hmm. they can store more oxygen when diving and they have large sinuses in their abdomens to hold blood so they can store oxygen in their muscles of course, with increased myoglo- myoglobin concentrations in the muscle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, yeah. well, Chris, the other thing too, that perplexes researchers during these massive dives is the lack of sleep for extended periods of times. And records suggest that these animals conduct dive after dive after dive to these depths for these um, you know, 20 to 70 minutes, uh, for 24 hours a day, sometimes months at a time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They hypothesize that during the dive, they have to go so deep that it almost be, like, almost might be like a form of sleeping because their metabolic rate is so low. So just wacky Nuts. stuff here. I yeah. mean, really, yeah. really cool. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, they're the record holders. So that's, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, for
0: a pinniped, they go deep. They go deep yeah. and the things that eat them, great white sharks, and there, I've got some good data coming up that's really interesting. Um, obviously orcas, king of the sea, uh, leopard seals will take pups or the young. So they can uh, do that. And then I even read cookie cutter sharks will, come out and take a little bite. And I remember that from Octonauts, right? <laughs> little cookie cutter sharks.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I told uh, uh, Xander, asked what podcast I was doing tonight, and I was like, oh, Alpha Seal." Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, yeah, I yeah. saw an Octonauts about that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs>
0: put him on. We're going to have him yeah. back on. We're going to have Xander back on. Oh, he's so great. Oh, he requested so squirrels. I th- Just squirrels? Make
1: that squirrels. Okay. Just put that out there in the universe. If any of our other listeners <laughs> would like squirrels, let us know. <laughs>
0: yeah, we'll do Xander. We'll interview Xander again. There are those really cool te-
1: those really cool technicolor squirrels. Maybe that we could do. That'd be fun.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. There's some. Yeah, there's there's. Some we'll endangered. do squirrels They're someday
1: great. at some point in time.
0: Yeah, we'll do that for our friend Angie down there. Our other Angie down in Gainesville. Angie she number loves two. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to tell her.
1: Well, Chris, just to touch on or add a little bit to the nutrition is with elephant seals. They have external whiskers called vibraceae, probably not saying that right, but it helps Mm -hmm. them locate prey and navigate their environment. We've talked about that, I think, before in otters. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the the vibraceae, the vibraceae, I don't know, are connected to blood vessels and nerves and muscles. So they're really like an important, you know, they're like our fingertips, right? And Mm -hmm. then inside their stomachs, they have what are called gastroliths. And I had to look that up. But gastrolith is basically like a stomach stone or a gizzard stone or a rock. Yeah. Uh, and I know that like birds do that and stuff. I guess I was just, I, I didn't, I, I was very surprised with elephant seals that there was a part of their physiology, but it must be, it's probably because maybe their metabolism is so low during these dives. This is me totally mm. just hypothesizing. I didn't read anything Speculate, about speculating yeah. very much, very good word. But yeah, I, I couldn't find out why they have them, but I'm, I'm wondering if it's because during their deep dives with low metabolic rate, you know, they it helps keep things moving through their system. I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Probably helps break stuff yeah, up. Yeah. And makes then
1: sense. the other thing too, that always fascinates me because I'm a avid water drinker. I probably since I've been a child, I've always, the typical question is, well, do fish drink water? We drink a lot of water. So. With seals, do you know if seals, elephant seals, drink water?
0: Yes. No, they do. Yeah. Cool. No, they absorb it. Right. They, they, they have a straw. There's tons of <laughs> straws in the ocean. So they just there are a lot. One,
1: unfortunately, and... there, I hate to make fun of the ocean, but that's pretty funny, Chris. Uh, there are a lot know, of straws in the <laughs> ocean, so they could just drink it out. On yeah. uh, Take one and.
0: Have but. Uh, Our listeners are stopping
1: that. Everybody's stopping their straw usage or getting the metal um, uh, reusable ones. But yeah, Chris, it's believed that these animals never drink water. Their source of water comes from the breakdown of fats.
0: Squid? Yeah, Mm. their fat
1: storage. Um, And they also have other physiological adaptations to conserve water in their body. So they have a really concentrated urine. As an adaption. Yeah, I did read that. Uh yeah. So, yeah, yeah just – uh and of course, too, when –
0: It's not – I, I was going to say it's not a good weight loss program for us. Like, <laughs> wouldn't it be awesome if we just stopped drinking and then just fat would be converted to water?
1: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way.
0: <laughs> Don't do that. No. Don't do that. You will die quickly. Very quickly. You will die yes. quickly. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. But these guys are – cool. I mean, when they come Ooh. out uh, for molting and or for breeding, when they're hauled out on the mm-hmm. – on the shore for, or to, or to have their pups for a long period of time, they're also not eating, they're fasting. So they're not eating and they're mm-hmm. not drinking. And they're just that blubber. I mean, it's doing oh, its job, right? Pretty cool. I,
0: <laughs> this doesn't work at us. That no, sucks. my blubber does
1: not help me in any way, shape or form. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, no, no. Now, jump into behavior, Angie, for spending most of their life out in the ocean, it's just crazy to think
1: about. Well, and they pretty much nailed it, Chris. Like, elephant seals spend the majority of their time, 90% or some, underwater in search of food. They can cover up to 60 miles a day when they head out to sea. Uh Yeah, so, I mean, the numbers that I read in different papers, some was 90%, some was 80% of their life. But, yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty crazy. And they migrate, right? So, when they're out to sea, I saw distances, uh, linear distances. So this doesn't even Mm -hmm. include the diving. So just linear distance of, uh, 21,000 kilometers a year. So that's a marathon, right? And that doesn't include diving. Right. So yeah, I mean, just, just really, really, I mean, ocean ocean, even though we see them on land and stuff at certain during breeding season and things, but they're pretty much out in the water doing their thing. Like you said, they can hold their breath for up to 100 minutes or longer than any uh, non-Cetacean-type mm-hmm. mm-hmm. mammal. And females, their length, of their dive is a little bit shorter. Uh On average, it's about 20 minutes for females and about 60 minutes for males. And females actually tend to dive a bit deeper, probably due to the different prey that they eat. And mm-hmm. when they're up for air they are, it's maybe two to three minutes and then they're back to work. So it's pretty crazy. Um, but you can see the seals will be on shore, uh, usually December through March during the mating season. And then again, beginning in April through August when they haul out for molting. So those are the times to see them. The Northern elephant seals are probably mostly solitary when they're in the water. Um, mm-hmm. but of course they have these large aggregates during mating season on the shore when they haul out and during mm-hmm. the mating season, there's definitely a social hierarchy, which is really, uh, for those, I'm, I'm pretty jealous of these, uh, UC, uh, Santa Cruz researchers to get to study because, their behavior yeah. because there's they, they're some cool videos on YouTube. We'll put them on our show notes, but they have this some really cool behaviors that they display in order to win over or win the females and to breed as many females as possible.
0: It's uh, watching those videos and seeing elephant seals fight for mating. I just, you know, leading you to, to breeding that they call the, these males that the big ones, the giant battle hardened, aggressive beach masters.
1: I love and so, it. Beach master. <laughs>
0: that's great.
1: I'm going to start. I'm yeah. Totally they start They are masters John of that. the beach. I'm gonna start calling John the
0: Beachmaster. The Beachmaster. <laughs> <The> beach <master. laughs> so, but the fights are just crazy. They they do have this thickened skin around their necks. The the older males, you know, so they do bleed a lot, but they have really thick skin there. So, you know, usually doesn't end in death like the Saiga last week. But yeah, I mean, well- just. These males breed quite a few females, right. Well, right?
1: You touched, you touched on it exactly. I mean, a lot of times when, with the courtship and behavior, I always talk about, you know, what the male does for the female or what the female does for the male. To, and this one is, mm-hmm. from my, from my understanding of it, um, the courtship is more like the males getting rid of the competition. So it's all about being mm-hmm. the dominant male arrives at the potential breeding site. And he'll spend months there fasting to ensure that he can mate with as many females as possible. And the way he establishes his dominance is basically, like you said, by fighting vocal noises, different positions, uh, sh- different movements with his body to show the other males that he's deemed the dominant. And then they'll also show off their nose and make loud these loud vocal- vocalizations to kind of once again show that they're the toughest guy. And the other thing too is during these battles, they like chest ram each other too. Uh, which when they're mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of upright and a seal is upright, I guess, as a seal can be, uh, in position, their chest kind of come in contact with each other. And I watched a video to understand how big these guys are. I found some videos that show it must have been a breeding male. Somehow he hauled up near beach and he was chest slamming a car like a four-door sedan car and just like <laughs> yes. there's nothing that people can yeah cars there's nothing people can right. do about it besides yeah. just like get out of the way because he's like moving this car with his like big chest so <laughs> anyway so they're pretty impressive and then and since elephant seals the males are polygonists they basically need to you know, score as many girlfriends as possible. And once he's done all this display to get rid of all the other males, this fighting, this vocalization, this chest, this, all this stuff, uh, he'll basically throw a fi- flipper. He basically, to Chris, just throws a flipper over the side of the female, grips her neck and his teeth, and mm-hmm. the copulation begins. So the females, mm-hmm. in my opinion, maybe not courted too much, just Basically, she mm. wins the strongest bull. Yeah. So uh, male elephants are called bulls. And, yeah. and the other interesting behavior that a female will do is if a sub- subordinate or non-dominant male does try to breed with her, she can release an audible like bawling sound of basically mm. saying like, Hey, this is not, you know, this is not my guy. And then of course, a dominant yeah. bull will come over and yeah. chase off the subordinate. So it's it's really just this very dynamic and very visual and Raunchy. Like I said, I just so cool. I wish I was. Yeah, I wish I was one of these researchers because it's, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of male to male. Like the males I'm are, back, yeah. and, and they kind of have to be because they come up when they you know when they haul out for either breeding season or. I mean, they have. There's a lot mm-hmm. of them around, mm-hmm. right? So they need to be, they need to, you know, they need to be the tough guy in order to, um, to establish, to pass their genes along. Right. So yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. And then one of the other really cool thing that goes along the lines of them being related to carnivores or Ursidae is when the female is bred, she experiences delayed implantation. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that before, where that's where the, uh, the egg and the sperm come together to create an embryo, but the embryo only divides a few times and becomes like a blastocyte, blastocyst, blastocyst, blastocyst. or blastula probably, and it doesn't implant in her uterus. So just kind of hangs out and delayed implantation in the elephant seal lasts about three months. So total gestation time is about a year. So they're probably pregnant about nine Mm -hmm. months with this three month delayed implantation than nine months, which is basically allows for this yearly birthing Mm -hmm. interval and where they all come out at the same time and they have, uh, you know, and they, they all have their pups and they basically birth and breed from December to March, depending on, you know, where um, what part of the world they're in. Um, so the other thing that's kind of fascinating is when an offspring is born, Chris, how much do you think they weigh? Oh,
0: um, they're pretty small, like 50 pounds, maybe
1: about 80 pounds. pounds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, not too big. And in four feet. So, and they usually twins are, I don't know if twins have been recorded. Usually it's just a mm-hmm. single pup. And, and when they're born, they have this black mm-hmm. fur, Uh, But as they're weaned, they shed their black coat and replaced by the lighter Mm -hmm. brown that we're more used to Mm -hmm. seeing. But super fascinating. I'm not sure if we covered this in walruses, but the milk produced by an elephant seal is crazy high in milk Mm. fat compared to other Mm -hmm. mammals. So human breast milk is about 4% milk fat. Cow milk is about 3.5% milk fat. Elephant seal, mommy elephant seal milk fat is 50% milk fat. Wow, fat.
0: Yeah, that's, they grow fast too.
1: And yes, yeah, so the pups gain weight like crazy on this really high milk fat. Um, and they, the females really only lactate for about 27 days. You know okay. about, about a month before they're weaned. And then once the weaned pup will stay close to the mom for a while, but then the mom basically leaves the pup behind and she goes off to mm-hmm. sea. So the young groups of pups that all have been left alone on shore form a pod and they'll stay up there. They'll basically hang out in this like teenager land or whatever mm-hmm. uh, for up to three to four four months without parental care. And mm-hmm. that's when they learn to swim and surf. And that's probably when they're very susceptible to Predation, predators yeah. and things like that. Um
0: No, and that's, I mean, it it rolls good into conservation. I mean, even though these animals are are classified as least concerned by the IUCN, there's still some some worry there. The the northern elephants went from, like we said, less than 100 to about 110,000 today, you know, off the west coast of the United States. The southern elephants are higher at 325,000, but remember, they have a much wider range, huge range, and they've suffered some decline. So the IUCN does note, that there is some uh low survival of adult females or the pups and a lot of this is is the changing climate that food reserves or or food is changing where they can find food and so they are finding that that there there is has been some decline that they can't really pin yet on exactly why but so we do got to keep an eye on them it's just ocean health again is is just horrific what's going on in the ocean so to say that there won't be an effect on these populations would be naive. I think that you know, as, as the ocean continues to suffer, other species suffering—whales, fish, other things—that we're going to see this too in the elephant seals. Now I do know there are there's there's an organization out there fighting for them, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh the one there's uh, probably there's several especially some of the bigger players like WWF. Uh but one that I was near and dear to my heart that I want to focus on is called the Marine Mammal Center and they can be found at the org. And Chris, the Marine Mammal Center is out there by you. They uh, founded themselves in Salsalito, California. Beautiful part of the world. I've actually driven mm-hmm. through there. I haven't spent too much time. Mm-hmm. Would love to spend more time. Mm-hmm. So check it out sometime on a field trip, perhaps. But the Marine Mammal Center is basically a, a center that has the mission to advance global ocean conservation through marine mammal rescue and rehabilitation, scientific research, in education, right? So all all the bells and whistles love these guys. They're doing great work. They are taking care of these marine mammals that have been injured in the wild or are sick or diseased and rehabilitating them. And then of course, utilizing scientific research to learn how to respond to animals and or how to reduce sick, injured, diseased animals. And then of course, once again, educate people, which is what we're all here to do. So um, tell your friends about the Marine mammal Center.
0: Conservation tips of the week, Angie. We're going to talk plastics, of course. We're talking about the ocean. And did you know? I got this off a website, greeneducationfoundation.org, dot org. That thirty million tons of plastic waste generated in the United States, only seven percent of it was recycled. So I don't know if that's. This is a little bit older data, but I don't know. Well, no, I'm sure a it's not much here. higher. Well. You know, we don't, I don't know about people
1: much. actually putting stuff mm-hmm. in their blue bins and orange bins or whatever color they are in your city, which some mm-hmm. people do. I don't, I don't know the statistics on that, but we're having a real crisis in the United States because mm-hmm. our, a lot of our plastic that we, we historically have shipped to China to recycle, uh, because we don't have a lot of facilities mm-hmm. here. There's not a, unfortunately there's not enough demand. So everybody should write big companies like Coca Cola and any, bottled water company, whatever, and demand that they, even if they raise their prices a little bit, like, please use recycle. If you're going to use plastic, which obviously you are use recycled plastic, because here in the States, we don't have a market for it. And so we've been shipping it to China where allegedly there is a market for it. They buy it from us and then they reuse it. But now China, I don't understand. Probably, I don't know if it's like administration relations or what, Politics, I don't know why, but they're not accepting it anymore. So there's a 60 Minutes episode where now we're shipping it over somewhere else in Asia and maybe like Vietnam or something. And yeah, nobody really knows. I mean, they're buying it from us, but yeah, they're buying it from us, but are they recycling it? And basically the news reporters were like we don't, we don't know. Probably not. Like it's probably going into a landfill yeah, or into an ocean. Yeah, it's so not good. It's not good. Here in um, North America, we need to yeah. vote with our dollar and tell yeah. people that we want, we need more places to use recycled plastic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And this is where our listeners come in to be, to be heroes and, and help us spread the message, you know, share this podcast and share these tips. So we, we did joke a little bit about straws in the ocean, but it's actually a big problem. So We've got to keep demanding not to use plastic straws, refuse them in restaurants. Carry your own. You know, if, if you must have a straw, get, yeah, get the stainless steel or glass straws or they're even making paper straws now. So some other tips, you know, uh, use matches instead of disposable plastic lighters or invest in a refillable metal lighter if you can. Here's one interesting I thought. Avoid buying frozen foods. Not only are frozen foods processed and not as healthy, but the, even if it's cardboard, you know, packaging, Always it's still covered happen. in a thin layer of plastic. So you can do that. Yeah. Buy fresh food. Here you go for your kiddos or for people that do want to have kids. The, the Environmental Protection Agency here in the U.S. says we produce 7.6 billion pounds of disposable diapers in the U.S. each year. Use cloth diapers if you can. Yes, I've got Uh, some for sale. We did cloth diapers? (laughs) Email us if you want some.
1: (laughs) I'll give them to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She will send them to you. But it it really helps save you money, which is a big one, and also reduce your carbon footprint.
1: And I have no scientific proof, so I shouldn't be saying this since I am a scientist, but Mm -hmm. I believe that my boys potty train faster because of cloth diapers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know. Yeah, because they're not made as well as disposable so Mm, that's comfy they're less they feel the wetness more because they're of the age Mm -hmm. you know when they hit the age of where that matters two or so they don't like that feeling whereas disposable yeah there you go yeah Yeah, so disposable diapers you know they're they're made there's so much whatever that weird jelly stuff who knows what it is in there can absorb so much they don't it doesn't bother them they don't care they don't care they don't
0: care yeah there you go. There you go. So there's a, uh, yeah, uh, anecdotal evidence. Also, you know, you want to pack it. If you bring your lunch, put it in reusable containers and bags, you know, use fresh fruit and veggies. Don't buy those single use plastic cups. And finally, I thought this was, was good. Use a razor with replaceable blades instead of a disposable razor.
1: Absolutely. So there's just
0: some tips and I'll yeah. post these on the, uh, the website in our show notes.
1: And I don't know if we've done it yet, but I, um, I'm a big fan now. We've gotten rid of saran wrap and we use, uh, the wax, the bees wax sheets. Paper? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, they're selling, companies are selling them now. I don't know the I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but yeah, they're reusable basically like wax made, bees wax made, um, sheets that you put over whatever the can of, coconut milk or whatever you open and you put it in your fridge or on top of your watermelon. So it stays fresh or what, what anything you do saran wrap for? Yeah. Well, who needs it? It's not yeah. good for the ocean. Get oceans. rid of
0: get rid of plastics, get rid of plastic. Now at the beginning of the podcast, I talked to you a little bit about great white sharks and elephant seals. So this study that I read, and again, I'll, I'll post this on the show notes too. This was studying Northern elephant seals off San Francisco or the Farallon islands. And the young elephant seals come and haul out from September through November. And so these sharks are tagged and they, they've done studies for 20, 20 years plus. Now, elephant seals are are bigger than, you know, obviously they're huge compared to other seals. So they can't go as far off the beach. And the great what they found is the great white sharks know when they come and they go through the channels and they kind of stay near the channels where the elephant seals are coming and going. They found that the great white sharks prefer elephant seals seven to one to any other type of seal. Hmm. Probably because that blubber, I don't know. Yeah. All that blood. I don't know. Now here you go. (laughs) Angie. For me and all my friends in California, they estimate that there's either a few hundred or a few thousand great white sharks off the California coast. That's (laughs) a big difference. A few thousand. Yes, I know. I was like, what? But great white shark attacks are rare. There's one to two per year, and there's about a single death every ten years off California. So, you actually have a, a hundred times greater chance of drowning than you do being attacked by a great white.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Or getting killed by a cow. What, what's the cow stats in the U.S.? Twenty eight cows killed yeah. <laughs> people <laughs> per year. Twenty eight people killed per year for cows. So, you know, interesting stuff. This was fun. This was a fun. I knew it would be a fun species. A wonderful species. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, you're our heroes. Thank you for listening. Share this episode with your ocean-loving friends. I know I will.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, everyone. Aloha and goodbye.
0: Listen. Learn. Share. Join
1: the movement at allcreaturespod.com.